Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have some very special guests with me, and I'm going to introduce them in just a moment. I wanted to thank my sponsor, Addit Software. If you guys don't know about Addit, they have a booth over here, but you all, you all I am a dental hygiene consultant for many practices, and Addit brings it all together. Typically, for consulting, when you're looking at a dashboard for everyone's productivity, how everyone's performing, your perio numbers, you have to go and pull reports for everything. And it takes a while to do that. But with Addit, it pulls everything into one place that I can see how hygiene, hygiene is performing. I can see where there are things falling short, the use of the operatories. So please go over to see Addit in their booth while you're here. And if not, Addit.com online. Now for my special guests, Emil, and Daryl Leachewski. That's why we just go by Emil and Daryl. Yeah, yeah Emil nice and Daryl, the cellist who opened the ADA SmileCon, and it is an honor to be here with you all. Thank you, Thank for you so much. It's, our honor. it's an honor to be here. Yes, and you all will see in the beginning in the front of the stage that we have their cellos. I'm gonna have them tell you everything about all of this that's going on. So um, the first question I always ask is why dentistry? So I guess we'll start with you, Emil, since sure. you are the oldest. I've been told that yes. when we introduce them, it always starts with Emil because he's the oldest. Always. Always, always, always starts, starts with Emil. A big <laughs> breach of contract if it goes the other way. Yeah, we can't do that. We are not breaching contracts. Absolutely right? not. No. Yeah. So my name is Emilia Kavetsky. Um, I graduated dental school at LeeCom in 2022, and I'm a perio resident at the University of Kentucky right now. I'm currently a second year resident. And yeah, dentistry has always been in our lives because our dad is a dentist. We're brothers, by the way, in case, you know, that's not clear. Um, and so we always kind of felt that we were going to go into dentistry because we got to see our dad work and make such a big impact on people's lives. I think dentistry is one of those careers where it is so uniquely impactful and you can make such a difference in people's lives. And if you get to experience that, I think a lot of people end up being drawn to it, especially if they have like a parent or a relative in the field. And being exposed to that, we just always knew we were going to go into dentistry and, you know, here we are today. Yeah. So you, you were kind of, are you mentoring your brother? 
because he's he's still in school. I guess, kind of. I give him a few things that maybe are not the best advice, and he knows, you know. <laughs> usually bad advice. Yeah, usually bad advice. But... So you know that when he's giving you advice, that <laughs> Oh, I know right away. It's not good. No, <laughs> jokes aside, I do talk to him a lot about, like, in dental school, there's a lot of things I'm like, what do I do here? And he's like, oh, don't worry, do this thing. I'm like, ah, okay. I think it's easy in dental school to overstress everything. So, like, I think a lot of people who go into dentistry are perfectionist type people. Yeah, yeah. And it's easy to get carried away and think like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything right. Like, no, take it easy. Relax. You're doing OK. It's, it's funny how a lot of the conversations that we have, it's literally just me telling him, relax, like you'll be OK. Everything's going to be OK. <laughs> and it always don't worry out. about it, because in school you have this tendency to over worry and overthink everything. And anybody who goes through it eventually, when you get out, you're like, OK, none of this really matters. Like you can just, you know, not yeah. worry about it now. But when you're in the moment, you're trying to do good things. You're trying to achieve. Well, so, yeah, we just talk. I'm like, listen, just relax. It'll pass. Everything will be OK. Yeah. yeah. Breathe, breathe. Right. Yeah. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Daryl, yeah. how about you? What's your why for dentistry? Very similar to what Emil said. So we grew up watching our dad work and the impact that he had on patients lives, just seeing how he can take a person from being in pain, being in discomfort, or being not confident in their smile, transforming them to a state of, wow, I love my smile. It doesn't hurt. I can smile confidently. Mm. It's just one of the most unbelievable professions. And I think for me personally, I love the artistic side of dentistry. Mm. So there's the science and the art. And I think very few medical healthcare professions allow you to blend the arts and the sciences as well as dentistry. So we are both very artistic and science-driven people. So dentistry felt like we, th we thought about what's a good profession where we can have a great impact on people but fulfill our passions for both art and yeah. science. And I don't think there's anything better than dentistry that allows us to explore both those passions fully. So that's that's my why for dentistry. I think, Emil, it's, um, it's pretty much the same. But that that's why this profession felt like a natural choice yeah. for us. Where do you attend school? Oh, UNC Adams School of Dentistry. Go Heels. Go Heels. <laughs> you know, we have to say this. Of course. And Absolutely. so when do you finish up with your residency? I finish in 2025. Okay. Yeah, so close. And then when do you graduate? 2025 dental school. And then I want to do Pross residency after. So 2028, okay. hopefully for Pross residency. So Perio and Pross. That's right. Amazing. All right. Yeah. So you guys opened ADA. That, that was a pretty big deal. And so let's rewind a little bit. You guys were also on a very popular show, America's Got Talent. Yep. And I can't even imagine doing something. So how, what was the process like to even be chosen to, to appear on that? Were there auditions? Tell me more about that, whoever sure. wants to take it. Yeah, so it all started um, many, many years ago, over 10 years ago in the year 2013, really, from like an America's Got Talent um, standpoint, where we were just posting covers on YouTube. We were just recording ourselves playing covers on cellos, just literally in our living room. And we got invited by a talent scout to go to an audition for America's Got Talent. We thought it was a total scam. Really? Like, sure, this is fake. What's funny is that it <laughs> no, was in Orlando. So we drove, we used to live in West Palm Beach. We drove here in Orlando and we we're like, okay, we're just going to get murdered. Our cellos are going to get stolen. And that's going to be the end of it. And that'll be our legacy. <laughs> hey, right? we had a fun time up yeah, until like, what, whatever. 13 years yeah. old. It was good, yeah. good ride. You go for the adventure, right? <laughs> and so we did that. And then next thing you know, we end up on stage in New Jersey in front of the judges, um, Howard Stern, Howie Mandel. Heidi and uh, Mel B. And we were performing Purple Haze. And this was, like I said, 10 years ago. And after that, somehow we ended up making it to the finals. And we just, you know, 
kind of flew with it. Whatever happened, happened. We started doing a lot of events with our cellos. And we were all doing this as we were pursuing dentistry. So we were at that time finishing up high school, going into college and with plans of going into dental school. And we kind of both went into dental school. Fast forward 10 years later, last year, we got invited to go back on AGT All-Stars. And so we were like, of course, you know, it's been 10 years. You know, we've had a great time from the show. The show has done great things for us. So we're going to go back on the show and, you know, have a great performance, have a great time and share our passion. Um, We had a lot of people reach out to us like, we never thought the cello could be an instrument that you could have fun with. And so we just felt like, okay, if we inspire a few more people, then, you know, we'll be happy with that. Yeah. And then next thing you know, we were on stage. And <laughs> Some interesting things happened. <laughs> now I want to know about all this. Yeah. What are the interesting things? Can well, you say? <laughs> I, well, I'm sure people have seen the interesting conversation mm-hmm. we had with Simon Cowell. Um, you know, when we were invited to perform back on All Stars, the what we thought it would be is like a celebration of um, 10 years later, you know, coming back on the show, having fun showing, OK, we've grown up a little bit and um, we haven't changed our trajectory. We're still playing music. We love it. Um, but we were always the plan was to pursue dentistry as our end goal. I guess that's hard to understand for people outside the dental industry. So I think when we talk to an audience of dentists or people in the dental profession in some capacity, it's easy to understand, OK, you know, we're playing music, but we're pursuing dentistry as our career. Right. But I think Simon was like, what's the dream here? And we're like, I knew that it would be inappropriate to say, oh, we actually want to be dentists right off the bat. So I said, well, we just love sharing our music and like doing what we love. And he's like, but what's the big dream here? I'm like, well, the dream is actually for us to open a practice together and be <laughs> dentists. <laughs> that's if you want to know the truth. And we didn't want to like, lie. And he's like, you can't be serious. And I'm like, no, that's that's the truth. Like. I am serious. And then he said, so you want to do what? Like, and I said, we want to change people's lives. And he said, as a dentist? And I said, yes. He's like, okay. And th- it was just an awkward, um, I think it came out of left field because the performance went really great. Like we had a great time. The audience loved it. Everyone was having a fun time. And then it fell out of left field where he was like, so like, what do you guys want to do with this? And we're like, well, we love to keep sharing our music with the world, but we actually want to be dentists. So the interesting thing is after that, the response from the dental community and other musicians, both, but especially the love we got from the dental community, unbelievable. With Dr. Shepley, the president of the ADA, yeah. being the main, like, it was unbelievable to receive such a supportive letter from him saying, thank you for standing up for dentistry. And we never thought of standing up for dentistry. We just were speaking our truth saying, okay, we want to pursue this profession. And it was it was just, it ended up being such a gift, such a blessing in disguise to get the support of the ADA yeah. and the dental community as a whole. Oh, yeah, I can, I can imagine where it would be coming from left field because maybe in Simon's mind, he's thinking, these guys just blew me out of the water. And he's thinking, I mean, obviously, like I, I, th- I say, obviously that may be a bias, but I'm thinking that for most musicians, that's that's their vision. That is what they do. And for to come into a unique perspective. And I think that we probably know more people than I used to, but we can have multi, we can be multi-passionate in different areas. And that's a newer thing for some people to digest because they don't understand. Right. So I love that. I love that that happened for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I think it's also from a TV perspective, they're used to this narrative that everybody is going on the show to become a star. Yeah. Right. And like you can't possibly want anything other than what 
Simon is offering startup, yeah. right? <laughs> right? And we're like, eh. we're just weren't having it. We're like, eh, not so much. Like, eh, we're we're okay. Yeah, you're like, we're good. We're yeah. gonna do. We're gonna do both. We yeah. want to change people's lives through dentistry. That's always been our dream. So, we're just happy to tell them. Yeah, that's what we want to do. Wow. All right, so backing up to the weird, creepy interview <laughs> of uh, you're not really sure if you're going to get murdered. I'm curious, you showed up. Was it what was the studio like that you showed up? Where did you go? Sure. It was actually uh, just like a private audition screening. So it was something that they set up for acts that they want to screen for the show. And it was just a few producers from the show. We played our piece. They said, awesome, we'll be in touch. And that was the end of it. Once you once you arrived, was it? Were you thinking, okay, now this is legit. We're not, we're fine. Uh, yeah, it, it felt a little bit more legit once we arrive and you see like the NBC <laughs> badges and stuff. You're like, okay, these people probably work for NBC. But it's an interesting, like, it doesn't feel like you're on the show until you get in front of the judges. Yeah. So like this was a private room with a camera and we don't know where this recording is going, somewhere in LA. Um, we just played, did our act and they're like, okay, we'll let you know. And then we got an email a few weeks later, like, okay, yeah, we want to see you guys in front of the judges. And we we're like, great. And then... Still, like, part of us is like, is this real? Like, I think it is real. Yeah. And then next thing you know, we're in front of the judges. And that first audition was what really changed our lives. So we only performed in front of small groups of people, like in restaurants and libraries. It was very casual. And mainly we posted videos on YouTube recording in our living room. And after that, we went to a, what was it, by Newark Performing Arts Center. It yeah. was a big performing arts center. And... We got a standing ovation from the audience and all four judges, wow. which was like, what? We're just 13 yeah. and 15. And we knew, like, yeah. thinking, yeah. We we're like, okay, this is either going to go really, really well or really, really poorly. Like, this is going to either shatter us or, you know, like. Do you and, think that you're, were you kind of in the back of your mind thinking that your mom was like, okay, now at the end, everybody stand up and clap? Well, because sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the youth think that they're like, of course you're going to say that, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what's, what's, what was stressful for us watching the previous acts go on it's, it's a tv show it's a tv setting so just about nothing that you see on tv is real this is a reality show and we were just watching like this is probably a major breach of contract but who cares there's like people <laughs> with signs saying like laugh applaud you know yeah. stuff like that so we're like so we don't know what sign are we gonna get you know either applaud or laugh <laughs> they, they love us or they hate us and we're really embarrassed <laughs> boo <laughs> but luckily it went way better than we could have ever anticipated it was unbelievable and since then we've been traveling around the country and outside the country performing so that that first audition really set the stage for us so you're able to do both you're able to do, so you started when you were 13 and 15. So, okay, when you got the, when you got the call, so yes, we're accepting you. We would love to have you on the show. You were, how old were you then? Uh, I think that was how old we were. Yeah, yeah maybe 13, like a year 15. or two off, but wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then from the time you got the email, from the time you went on stage, what was that length? That, what was that time? Period? That was a matter of a few months. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was like wow. late in the year. I think it was around... October-ish, November-ish, we did that very first audition. And then early in the next year, in about February, we were on the show. And then okay. that was when it was pre-recorded. And then that summer was when the whole thing aired. I see. We did the live shows in um, Radio that. City Musical. Yeah. 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 It's a surreal experience. It's, yeah. it's very, very interesting. And thinking back, like, we had a pretty strange experience in our childhood. Yeah. Like, we were, we were yeah. kids back then. So it was, it was interesting for sure. Right. So then after that... You're still pursuing your dreams now, but I love that you're able to balance both. And so how do you say to yourself, hey, self, I'm going to study now, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to go do this, respond to emails, do the things that takes to run 
if you will, a business. Right. So how do you balance that right now? Yeah. I think a lot of it just boils down to being organized and also knowing where you have to make those compromises because it's it's not like this thing where you're going to say, oh, just do everything. And you're like, no, it's hard. It's it's not easy. Right. And it's the same kind of thing that people who, you know, um, prioritize fitness or mental health, like you, there's things that you have to kind of organize and compromise in a way. So for us, it would be just studying, doing whatever we need to do for school and then taking as little as 15, 20 minutes a day just to play a little bit and, you know, get your mind off of school. And that kind of like kept us in shape. And then obviously when we'd have performances, you know, we'd spend the weekend or whatnot, like really, really hammering down, practicing, getting things well. And, you know, it's, it wasn't like we were on tour. We weren't touring or anything. We would just do shows every once in a while, you know, every few months or whatnot. So it it was a lot of fun, but the organizational aspect of it, you just have to stay really, really organized and just yep. try not to waste too much time. You yeah, know? I think it's two things that are very applicable in dentistry, time management and also teamwork. We rely on each other heavily to tell yeah. the other person what we need from each other. So when we're practicing for a show, we kind of know how the other person, us being brothers, we've been practicing since we were four years yeah. old playing cello together. So we kind of know what the other person is thinking and we try to meet each other and work together well as a team. And I think that's why we make a good team because we really know each other, Yeah, which can apply to dentistry to know your team. It's like, it's the same thing. It's all about teamwork. And also time management is always a struggle. So we're always trying to balance those two things. And it's, I don't think it's ever, it ever, it ever comes to a point where it's perfect. Like, oh, I got to figure it out. I'm devoting 40%, 60%, 30%, you know, yeah. you never figure out that perfect balance, but we try our best to devote ourselves fully to everything we do. Um, one thing I mentioned earlier was, I don't believe in multitasking. Like, I don't think you can do multiple things at the same time. Yeah. I think same. you can devote yourself fully to one thing and then shut it off, yeah. jump to devoting yourself fully to the next thing. You can do a few things efficiently, but you can't do many things at the same time. It's yeah. called switch tasking. Now. Right. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. I'm sure you know very well, yes. given how much you do. Yes. So yeah. the, the time management piece has been something we've been working on and um, I don't think there's ever a perfect balance but we always try to give a thousand percent to every single individual thing we do okay so let's talk let's get in the nitty-gritty about some planning things that you do because I'm curious sure because I talk to a lot of professionals and I'm I I am always curious about how are you pulling this off how are you doing this and doing it well and not getting a grade C on everything that you're doing because you're saying yes to so many things because that's also a potential issue for you all of saying yes too much and how you learn to say no. So at the beginning of the year, do you all have like an annual calendar where you're saying, okay, here are the, here are the places that we're going. Here's the things that we're doing and that we have to prep on these days. And then what are your, you know, then you're plugging in your exams and your skill assessments and all of that stuff. And yeah, is that I can, the way you I do can it? say for myself, at least um, school always comes first. So I kind of structure my calendar around that. So like residency school, whatnot, that, that has to come first as a priority. And then with shows, I think we're also we've been fortunate because we were both playing since we were four years old. So it is so ingrained in our muscle memory. And we've been playing a lot together that we can literally just spend maybe a few days before the performance, like little bit, literally a few hours playing together. And we kind of get back in tune because we spend a lot of time apart from each other. We obviously practice on our own, you know, in isolated practice sessions. But whenever we get together where it's just I feel like we've been playing for so long that we don't have to necessarily dedicate like six months of practicing or whatnot, you know, like putting yeah. a big show together. So I always look at it as I organize things with school. And then whenever we have these performances, just a few days before, you know, kind of practice, get your reps in, and then we're usually good to go. What about you? 
pretty similar. Um, I'd say we're on the same page in terms of practicing before a show. In terms of like setting goals and priorities, I have a school calendar. So like that's my daily tasks. Yeah. But I am a huge fan of writing things down. If it's not written down, it doesn't happen. That's right. I take and I usually take when I'm feeling just kind of bored or lonely, I'll take a sheet of paper out and I'll write down moon moonshot ideas like these three things would be amazing if they happen. And then I'll write some ideas like, okay, in the immediate future, I need to take care of this, this, and this. And then he sends me a picture of this, this, and I tell him, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then is that advice that you actually take? Yeah. No, like, no, 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 relax. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to do this. But I mean, I, that's awesome because that's your creative side of you. Right, right. You're writing things down has changed my productivity. I heard that from so many successful, high-achieving people. If you don't write it down, it doesn't happen. So... I've been writing things down and usually the things happen. Emil sees what doesn't happen. Yes, of and course. A lot of times it's because he tells me it's not going to happen, but I still <laughs> keep it on the list. That's okay. I mean, because you can, you can still believe it and, and act as if it will. Right, right, right. right. Manifesting. Manifesting. Do you guys believe in manifesting? I think, yeah, to a, to a certain degree, it's a very true thing. Like if you believe in something strong enough, eventually you will achieve it. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things where if you have a strong enough will you can really do just about anything. There are probably some limitations to it, but 99.9% .9 of things, if you really believe in it, you, you can accomplish it, I think. Yeah, I don't believe in the hoodoo voodoo manifesting. I believe in if you set your mind to see it and you are oriented towards achieving it, it will happen. Yeah. Like when I write, I think writing things down is kind of manifesting it. Like if I say, um, I want to achieve this goal, I write it down. It's in front of me every day. So I see it and I'm constantly reminded this is important to me. Yeah. And it somehow always ends up happening. So. And then the other p important piece of it, which, you know, sets it outside of the hoodoo voodoo stuff, as you said, is that you're taking action towards it. Right. It's, a, it's important to do your part and no more. But then, you know, because the, because the rest, as you take action, the frequency and what you want to happen, I think, surround you. So do you think that you... I know this is like a little bit woo-woo maybe, but I believe in manifest. I mean, I believe wholeheartedly yeah. in abundance and manifesting what you sure. want in your life through exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because if wh whatever you believe is true or not, you're exactly right. Yeah. 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 Henry Ford said that. Yeah. Right. So do you believe that you manifested the onstage event and the auditions the we, looking we back? Manif we manifested Probably. Simon Cowell <laughs> raining down the hill on us. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm a big power of positive thinking yes. believer. So I think if you frame things in a way that you want to see them, usually that's how things are. Like if you're right or wrong, either way you're right. I think Henry Ford says something yep. like you, you mentioned that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think if you have a positive mindset and you want to mm -hmm. see things a certain way, things tend to fall into place the way you want to see them. So I always like to think long and hard of how do I want things to turn out? Because usually the way you want them, you tend to see things that way and they work out that way. Yeah. yeah. And I think in my experience and the experience of others who I've discussed, discussed this very phenomenon with, I think that sometimes where we can get caught up is we think that we know how it's going to end up. And I believe that when we think that that's true, that that's, that's actually a limiting belief. Mm. You know, yeah. because I think that it can come out so much better yeah. than what we truly believe that it could, because we're only creating our possibilities that are in our head. But I right. think if we let go of what the outcome could be, then, man, the sky's the limit and it's right. just 10 times better. And right. it's like, what? And that's right. when it's like it feels like it's raining 
stuff right. that you have been thinking about. Yeah. yeah. The limiting belief piece, I think a lot of times people limit themselves to, okay, if I'm a dental person, yeah. I only can do dental things. That's not true. So many people in this profession have hobbies and yeah. there's no need to limit yourself to one box. Like you're doing so much. There's mm -hmm. there's no reason to say, okay, if I am in this profession, that means I have to do what everybody else does in this profession, That's what right. it seems yeah. like everyone else is doing. What I think is interesting is that, like you said, people have this, they're very, very capable of limiting themselves. And they're, it's almost like they're focusing exclusively on it. Like if they have a task, they will think of all the reasons why they shouldn't do something or they can't do something before thinking, of, okay, wait, how can I actually make this happen? And I see this a lot because I have a lot of students reach out to me about residency, how to apply. And it's almost like I hear this common thing like, oh, I'm not smart enough to get in. Oh, mm. I'm not good enough. I'm like, why are you saying that? Like you get good grades, you're like a good class rank, like you're clearly smart. So it's like, I'm always curious, like where is that coming from? And it's like, if you can just let go of that and stop sabotaging yourself, you'll actually get in. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. that complicated, you know, but we're like notorious for making things more difficult than they have to be. And the funny thing about it, oftentimes it's the most talented people who question themselves the I know. most. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. like, am I good enough? But the person who is actually terrible will be like, oh yeah, I'm good enough. I know. <laughs> I know. And you're like, oh, yeah. that's a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but yeah. So with that, I think the mic is good. Test, test. Uh, meeting you. <laughs> One moment. Technical. <laughs> you guys want to sing or do something? Technical difficult. Let's pull the cellos out. <laughs> um, with that too, it's, I think with the limiting beliefs, sometimes they can come from childhood or yeah. these. And it's things that people have said to them or about them. And so they start to in, intrinsically believe that. And then they don't take action on it. And then they just get stuck. They feel mm -hmm. stuck because I and I coach people on this all of the time. So I, I consult in dentistry. I speak. But then also I do executive coaching mm -hmm. as well, one on one and in group settings for DSO organizations, for individuals. And many times it's that limiting belief of feeling shameful. Mm -hmm. If you actually take the action and you fail, but through that failure is where you learn mm -hmm. anything. Think about dental school. When you didn't get 100, what happened? It's either... Oh, that never yeah. happened. Yeah, that <laughs> never happened. Yeah. You survive. That's what I always say. It's yeah. like, no matter what happens, you're still alive, you're breathing air, you have food, you're fine. Yeah. Even if you have to remediate a class, you remediate it, you still get... It's not the end of the world. That is correct. It's, it's where it falls on that scale of... Yeah of like fight or flight and, mm -hmm. and survival almost sometimes because you either win or you learn. Right, 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 right. And it's that mindset of even if it turns out, I mean, my first podcast, you guys, I look back on it and it's, wow, okay. <laughs> I was just a baby version of me, but it was scary. And, even And look where you are interviewing Emil and Derek. <laughs> I, 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 how could I ever have gotten this way? <laughs> this is my claim to fame yeah. now. Pop. This is the upper echelon of everything in my life. <laughs> I checked the box. Yeah, there, you there you go. <laughs> but it's, it's putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and bringing out what I find is let's talk about where that limiting belief comes from. Mm -hmm. When, when did you first start believing that? And then you begin to unearth that. And I speak a lot about emotional intelligence and 
where those triggers from past past experiences in your life can then be brought out of hiding because it's almost like these little limiting beliefs are like the things on our shoulders that Mm -hmm. it's like, you can do it. No, you can't. You can do it. And then when you bring them out and you set them on the shelf and you actually look at them and you are like, okay, let's look at what this really is and what is this really about? It doesn't become this deep, dark thing anymore. You start to unpack it and you think... Okay, that that like is something somebody said about me in fifth grade. Right, right. <laughs> it actually well, has no value. It really. doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. So encouraging words from you all about this, you know, take action. It's okay if you, not that you're calling it failure because you guys don't fail. You just, you yeah. know, learn. Of course. No, failure is a part of success. Yes. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a roadblock. It's a stepping stone to success. Yes. I don't, th- I think you can't achieve success without failing. And if you haven't failed and you haven't done enough, haven't taken enough challenges. So yeah, got to lean into your potential because your potential has never been measured because it's still in you. No. Right. Pretty All right. True. So, so next question, what are you, what are you guys going to do now? Like you're famous. I'm famous now because of you guys, <laughs> right? apparently. And so what, what now for you guys? What's the next step? Mm. I mean, we're just trying to do as much good as we possibly can between school. You know, I mean, I'm in residency. Daryl wants to go into residency. Um, I think our big thing is we want to just share our story and inspire as many people as we possibly can. Because like we talk about, there's a lot of things that we see, like people just doubting themselves, not believing in themselves. And if we can just help 1% of those people be like, hey, you know, don't doubt yourself. Just if you want to do something, do it. Even if it means playing rock music on a cello and people think it's weird or (laughs) funny or stupid or whatever, just do it. And it's okay. It will work out as long as you believe in yourself, you know? And I think we're, we try to share that message as much as we possibly can. And you know, hopefully inspire as many people as possible. Yeah. When you compare yourself to other people too, I think it's that thief of joy mm-hmm. where you say, even in dental school or in residency, where, I mean, I have students, I'm a program director at a dental hygiene school in Virginia. And they say, this person is so much further ahead of me. How come it's so easy for them? Yeah. But I say to them, look what you learned today. Look what you did. What about your wins? You cannot compare yourself to someone else. Right. And this life lesson that is the thread that weaves throughout your entire life right. is so critical to say, I, I, that's good and that's their path. And they had their own challenges because we don't see other people's right. challenges so many times because we only share our wins. Right. Right. And it's not, you don't see their, their fall that, they don't see their scuffed knees. Right. My right. dad always said, even before it was popular, ever before, you know, the internet, I think existed. He said, Kelly, as long as you fall forward, you're good. Mm-hmm. Like you got to get up. It's how you react to when those hiccups happen and how you're handling yeah. that. And I think that's an important message that you're also saying that you probably learned at a very early age. And it, I'm wondering what it's going to set up for your potential and your future. 100%. The falling forward, I think we learned that from playing music. Mm. So nothing, anybody who's played a sport or played an instrument you know that the first time you try something, whether it's a new technique or um, anything really, it's it never works out from the first time you try it. Yeah. And I, I recall that was very interesting to me when we were in dental school, just started prepping teeth, and I could see my classmates getting frustrated. Like, why isn't it perfect? It's like, yeah. In my mind, I'm like, I know I wasn't even expecting it to be perfect because it was the first time doing something I've never done in yeah. my life. Yeah. yeah. So of course it's not going to turn out well. Like I know that it takes 
a hundred and then another hundred and then another thousand. And then like, okay, now I'm happy with where I am. Yeah. That's just part of the process. So I think being patient with any skill um, is something that we learn from using. Yeah. Um, I think anybody who plays a string instrument knows, like especially I feel like with cello, violin, um, it takes probably a few years for most people to feel comfortable where they can kind of put their brain on autopilot and not like actively think of what they're mm -hmm. doing. And so when you go into dentistry and it's your first time doing a class two, a crown, an extraction, whatever, and the first time you obviously you're going to be horrible at it. It's it's okay. Like for me, like I was like, okay, I tried, whatever, it happened. And I, I, it was just a normal thing for me because I know the first time I try something on a cello, I was going to be horrible at it. Yeah. And there was just no expectation of being perfect. Huh. And I think if you don't have that, it's very easy to fall into this like depressive mindset where you're like, yeah. I'm bad, you know, I'm not succeeding, I'm failing. Well, it's like, no, you're not failing. You just tried it the first time. Like, what did you expect? Were you supposed to be perfect at it? Yeah. No. And like, you'll see your faculty or somebody else who's done it for 15 years, they'll be great at it, of course. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously, because they've done it for 15 years. That's right. But sometimes as a dental student, you don't mentally think of that. You're just like, I suck and they're good, you know? Also, to what you said about comparing yourself to other people, the thief of joy is 100%. What's interesting now with social media is people, before people show you something, yes, they'd show you just the pretty thing. But with social media, all people are posting is the highlight reels. That's right. Like it's, it's nothing but my life is awesome all the time. And it's easy to think, wow, my life sucks. And this mm -hmm. person is doing so well. Like not just one person, everybody I know is doing so well. So I think any advice I always give to like D1s or pre-dents that are starting dental school, and it applies throughout life really, um, is not to take what people project or what you perceive they're showing as the truth. They could be going through a lot yeah. that they're not sharing. Maybe they're nice. really good at hiding it, but you know what you're going through. So you're like, wow, I have all these terrible, difficult things going on in my life. But all I see is this person is winning time after time. Winning, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think too, if you think about back to one of the first points you made, dentistry and dental students, dental hygiene students are the same, probably dental assistants are the same. You're, these are the folks that are used to being really good at everything. They are the A plus students who are the high achievers at everything. And then when they get into dental school or get into dental hygiene school, it's almost like, and I'm not meaning to be, sound any kind of way, but it, it almost ends up that they have difficulty processing that they're no longer an A plus student. So right. a lot of them end up on antidepressants, yeah. other things that help them sleep, that it affects their right. mindset, their success. And it's truly, it's so what I do as a part of what I'm teaching is, how do you get yourself out of this? Yeah. How do you snap out of this and say, I can do this. This is just a one shot deal because you're gonna also have to manage that in front of your patients. Oh yep. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and I think that's another thing that happens to a lot of new grads because they get out and they were taught certain things in dental school a certain way and then they're just thrown into the real world. And it is chaos out there. It's absolutely chaos. And it, it can be very overwhelming because if you're not used to processing this, these things that you're going to have things that go badly, you're going to have patients that don't like you, you're going to have procedures that don't go according to plan. And you have to be okay with just being like, I'm still learning. It's it's called the practice of dentistry. It's not perfection, right? That's you right. have to keep perfecting it and keep trying to strive for it, but you're you're never going to be perfect, you know? And it's 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 ultimately I think a mindset that you have to adapt and just learn to live with that. Well, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Beautifully said. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs>
he endorses this. He, yes. Five stars. <laughs> yes. <would recommend>. Fully endorsed. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you guys for all of that. And now I want to know about your instruments. Tell sure. me the story behind your cellos and like how you chose them and do they have names? I need to know more. <laughs> <laughs> no names. No. <laughs> the only names that they have are cello one and cello two. And we do that when we have to get the airplane tickets for them. And we, it always gets a laugh out of the TSA because so mine is cello one and it's usually spelled cello, C-E-L-L-O, one as one word. So it comes out as chaloon. And it's always very funny when they're like, where's Chaloon? And they start looking around and I'm just standing there, you know. With, with that's Chaloon. That's Chaloon. <laughs> so this right one was here. effectively named Chaloon. Yeah. So, but yeah, so the instruments that we play, they're made out of carbon fiber. They're made by a very good German company called Mezzoforte. And uh, they were custom made for us. They're acoustic instruments, but we put our own pickups on them and we run them through our own distortion amps. And that's how we, they sound the way they sound. So it's... um really nothing that special but just a few things put together and you know that's how they sound the way they sound. so it's kind of like an orthodontic bracket where it's got Pretty the prescription much. built in exactly There's always a dental reference <laughs> Anomaly, to bring yeah. it back <laughs> i do that all the time people get so annoyed with me <laughs> and then i'm thinking like okay you could modify on the back of the itero yeah. scanner you yeah. could do like the, the programming and be like i want this the pickup outcome. is on the occlusal surface of the yeah. cello yeah. kind of like an implant when you think yeah. about it <laughs> yeah it's i i'm among my people here where we can make you know nerdy <laughs> jokes this is good all right so you chose this company is it is it something that you had been playing that you've been playing this type of uh, from this manufacturer your entire life or no so we grew up playing an a standard acoustic cello so okay the cello we recorded our first album on was the cello our grandpa played so our grandpa was a principal cellist he played as a principal of the Caracas Symphony Orchestra, the Minsk Philharmonic Orchestra. So that was his whole career. And he had a beautiful French instrument that's 121 years old. Yeah. 121 years yeah. old? 121 years old. Very beautiful old young lady. Yes. A beautiful instrument. And we recorded our first album on that instrument. So it's, it's, um, it holds a special place in our heart. But these are our electrified, cool, fun cellos. And they're, they punch, they sound good. I think Metallica sounds a little better on these than on the wooden one. Yeah. Metallica does? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so when you got back on on stage for ADA SmileCon, was it just like you felt at home up there? Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun, honestly. And to be on a stage and to have such a support system, you know, it was like we felt like these are our people, you know, and yeah. we're here. We're representing our people, the dental community. And it was, it was so much fun. We were so happy that we got to do this. Yeah. It's almost like within the music industry we love music but we hate the music industry because in the <laughs> industry everybody everybody thinks you're you're always competing with each other and like pursuing this stardom thing which we really never liked mm. the whole idea of stardom um dentistry feels like a community of people who are out there to help make a difference mm. and that's why when we saw our dad work we're like this is what we want to do like doesn't mean we don't like music. We love music. I think without music, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be an eighth of the person I am. Wow. Like, I wouldn't live if it weren't for music. But at the same time, it feels like we're playing for people who understand us. So this was, this was probably the most special performance we've ever done because it was a crowd full of 
colleagues who understand us, understand why we're pursuing this, yeah. and understand that we want to be a part of this community. And what was crazy is the amount of people that would come up to us be like, you know, I've been a guitarist for 30 years. I play piano. I play violin. And it's like, I love what you guys, like, we didn't think of this as a thing that there's all yes. these people who have, you know, like us, right. they're, they're pursuing their career, but they also enjoy music in their free time. And that was very, very inspiring. You know? Yeah, I know quite a few dentists who play in rock bands, who are right. drummers for churches, yeah, <laughs> things yeah. like that. It's like, where, where, what do you do when, uh, on your free time? Oh, I play, I play drum over right. here. Or yeah. I rock it's much out more over common here. than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. I think you need it to stay sane because mm -hmm. we're we're that doing was... hard work all the time, and it's important to have a hobby. And for us, that hobby happens to be music, and so many dentists share that with us. So it's it's amazing. I think it is probably like a form of meditation that you all do. 100%. Yeah. And because it's that, you know, that muscle memory of how it relaxes your brain and it probably puts you in some kind of theta state. Right. That right. You, maybe you're aware of, maybe you're not. Yeah. It's state of focus. Like yeah. you're, you're concentrating on one thing playing music. You're not really scattered all over. And I think it's, it's very easy to get scattered with all the pings going off, all the notifications oh, yeah. and the world is just crazy nowadays. But when you're playing an instrument, all you have, you're not able to have a conversation to play at the same time. You're mm. just playing your instruments. We've you tried that. To, yeah. work <laughs> you have to focus on the instrument. So it's, it's like you said, it's that theta state of focus and it's a, it's a meditative process for yeah. us. I could see how that would keep you sane mm -hmm. for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Because I'm always thinking as you're talking, this could be a community that, so I have business ideas for you, just so you know. Okay, it's, sure. Okay. I got One a, of them, I mean, you, paper, no <laughs> it's what you just said, the support. So music industry is here. You're here trying to create something that says all of us can win, all of us can be included in what we're doing and you can do this and that you can be everything that you want to be right and pursue your passions and lift each other up and let's do this together right because it's not about competition it's about abundance right and wouldn't that be a great mission vision for you Absolutely. both 100%. to create that within the dental community or healthcare yeah 100% 100% i think it is uh, an abundance mindset is the correct mindset i don't think it's you, if you view things from a scarcity perspective, that's a wrong way of looking at it because there's so much good that can be done in the world. Mm -hmm. There's positivity is not limited. There's not a set, you know, limit on how much good can be shared with people. I think if we all do our best to do as much good as possible, the world will be an amazing place. Yeah, truly. I call it my version of world peace, but I right? truly live mm -hmm. that every day. Yeah. Because even my kids will say, mom, why are you doing this? To help people. That's what I do every day. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's you make yourself available for that. How can I support you? How can I be available to help you? And if I can't help you, I'm going to say, I know somebody who can. That's right. And yep. I think that that is, that's the difference that we all, I, I think, should be in that mindset for the world. Absolutely. Are there any final words of maybe... Um, top two things you would recommend or top three things to the audience on how they can be successful being pursuing a journey like yours? Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is just to live your truth every single day. You know, know what you want, figure out what you want, and then strive to achieve it. And don't let people steer you off your course because 
it's a, it's a common theme. I see a lot of people who want to go into dentistry or a field in, the me in medicine or a specialty and either somebody or they themselves are just like, no, I can't do it. And it kind of, me personally, it frustrates me sometimes because I see from a bird's eye view, I'm like, you absolutely can do that. Why are you saying that? Or why are you letting somebody else say that? Yes. And it's something that I think we as a society need to put more emphasis on, like stop limiting yourself. Because if we stop doing it, really, we'd be able to achieve amazing things as a society. And it's just something that People, I think, really need to improve on that. Just stop limiting yourself. Stop letting other people limit you and live your truth every single yes. day. And to build on what Emil said, the getting rid of limiting beliefs. Um, my mentor, Dr. Mark Hyman, who you know well, um, who I love dearly. We love Dr. Mark Hyman. He's Just amazing. so you guys, if you don't know him, you got to know him. You need him in your Go life. Go meet Dr. Mark Hyman. He's amazing. <laughs> One thing he taught me is to have the audacity to ask for what you want. Yes. Sometimes it's scary. Oftentimes, if you want great things, it's scary. But if you don't ask, then the answer is automatically a Always. hard no. So if you ask, the worst that can happen is there's two things. You either don't get a response or it's a no. Okay. That's the worst. At least yeah. you tried. At least you tried. So having the audacity to ask for what you want. And I would really say something very simple, writing things down. If you have goals, write them down. You'd be surprised how many things happen if you just write them down and you have it in front of you as a reference to focus on. That's all my advice. Brilliant. Brilliant. I don't want I don't want to stop talking to you all. <laughs> I need you all. I need you all in we my life. Flight yeah, I was just gonna I, say I, I really need our you plane's in my gonna life. fly out. <laughs> so when you how many gigs do you guys have a year? Do you still take do you still play for do you play for money? I know that's maybe a personal question. Are you no, paid performers? Yeah. So that's kind of our second career. It's gotten much more challenging to do it. So before we were in dental school, we would do tons of gigs all the time. Now we have to be more selective because we can't take time off of school. If it's a weekend conference, a lot of what we do is corporate events. So um, that's been kind of a side gig that we enjoy doing. And it's, it's a lot of fun and it helps, it helps pay the bills too. So it's, it's nice. something, something, something we've been doing. That's another great thing about not giving up on your hobbies while you're in dental school. A lot of people monetize their hobbies. Mm -hmm. So it's a great opportunity to, to explore that, not give it up. While you're in dental school, you don't have money to pay for the bills. It's all loans. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When yeah. So, I mean, we, we do gigs, um, quite a few of them, uh, mainly corporate events. And I think what we would like to start doing more of is for the dental community. Now, I think it would be so much fun if we could open things like, you know, more smile cons, um, dental conventions, uh, interest groups, things like that. You know, Crest, Philip Sonicare, where are you at? We're looking at you. <laughs> hey, got you. Hey. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's a lot of fun. You know, um, performing really is a lot of fun and it. It's something that, you know, as a passion, we enjoy doing it so much. And yeah, we, we really, really enjoy performing. I mean, I'm thinking dental school galas. Yeah. I mean, formals. I mean, I mean, of course, bigger than that, too. But um, benefits, foundations. Yeah, right. Use it for good. Use yeah. it for good. Yeah. That's one of the things we've been very fortunate to have done is use our music to spread a positive message to help raise money for causes we care about. That's been one of the most fulfilling things in mm -hmm. like. When we ask, why do we do this, which is something we think about, like, are we doing the right thing? I think it's always important to question if you're doing the right thing. With music, the reason we do it is to spread a positive message. 
to spread causes we believe in. So playing here was such an honor for us because it was like a welcome home ceremony. It felt yeah. like that for us. Like finally, the whole community is accepting that it's not boring, it's cool, <laughs> yeah. it's fun. And we felt just at home, just honored to be surrounded by people who understand our vision and believe in the same thing we believe in. Well, the supporting you as humans, as as what you're doing and your effort and supporting, not, not because you guys have the story that you have, but they're just saying, we support you as individuals. Right. And I think that's a lot about what we all want. We all want to feel heard we and just to say i understand i understand you thank you for sharing that with yeah. me yeah. not because we believe in it i think that when we take a stance of potentially like neutrality on mm -hmm. something and we can leave that sense of openness to hear and experience someone else's perspective yeah. without putting our bias right here and saying nope i can only believe this right. yeah. then that's when the true change and the benefit happens for everyone right because then you can hear perspective. You can say, I have never thought about that. And to hear your story and for you all to be sharing your story in the ways that you are through your actions, through your philanthropic uh, generosity and the ways that you are, I think is, is so meaningful as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We try to spread a positive message and do things that we believe in. So I think music is a great avenue for us to do those things. Through dentistry, we can have a more hands-on effect on people's lives. But I think music lets us have a reach to a wider audience. So again, we're so honored to be here at this convention to be surrounded by amazing people who understand and believe in our vision. Okay, so I just came up with something I'm thinking about. Are you okay. ready? Okay, this is something for all the dental students who are watching because this is going to be broadcast. I, I work with Creighton University D1s. We're doing an emotional intelligence study with them to make them more emotionally intelligent as they to increase their emotional intelligence as they graduate. So uh -huh. it's really cool. But I was thinking, okay, what advice would you have for a D1? What advice would you have for a D1? What advice would you have for a D2? Like, is there, would you say that there's different things that you experienced? Okay, so you want to go first? What advice do you sure. have for a D1? Advice I have for a D1 and something I tell D1s often is put your horse blinders on. You know how horses in a race, they have blinders <laughs> on? Don't compare yourself. Comparison is yeah. the thief of joy. When you're starting dental school, there's so much variability in people's backgrounds. So some people are super fast at tech. Some people are amazing with their hands. So like their first prep is actually pretty good. And maybe your first prep is terrible, but there's people who started with terrible preps who have become amazing prosthodontists for sort of dentists. So there's no, um, there's no reason to let your first try at anything limit you. So for D1s, blind yourself. Focus on yourself only. <laughs> yeah. I think my advice to D1s would be don't focus on something that you think of yourself or of like the dental field when you get in. So a lot of people will come and be like, oh, I want to specialize or I don't want to specialize. I want to do this or I don't want to do that. And I think that as a D1, that's a little bit of a bad mentality to have because it will limit you in what you want to do. So I think as a D1, your job should be to keep an, as open as a mind as possible and just be like a sponge. Absorb everything. Yeah. and take time as you learn to kind of process that and make up your mind on what you think of things. Love that. Not come in and just like, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. For D2s, I would say start pivoting into the mindset of patient care. Mm. It's very, in, in a lot of schools, and this varies from school to school, so in some, you can start seeing patients in your second year. Um, I'm not sure how it is at Creighton University if the students start seeing patients or if it's in the third year. Um, at UNC, we started seeing patients end of our first year. We started doing hygiene in the 
in the end of our first year, uh, which is great. But in the second year, really starting to transition to thinking about how am I going to take care of humans and applying everything I learned in four years of undergrad and the first couple of years of dental school into meaningful care for people. Because yes. at the end of the day, if, if you know everything, if you're a walking textbook, unless you know how to communicate mm -hmm. it in a warm, kind and caring way that somebody will want to listen to you and take your advice and work with you as a team, it's kind of useless information because if nobody's accepting what you're preaching, it's not worth as nearly as much as if somebody was to say, oh, this is something that I want to do because this person cares. Yeah, that human connection. Yeah. So pivoting to caring about patients and I would also say photography. Get good at photography, get mm -hmm. a camera, start practicing because once you get into clinic, photography has changed the game for me for treatment planning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have a similar um, twist on it. I would say that as a second year where you're still in that didactic part of your education and you're slowly maybe starting to transition to patients, it's very easy to fall into this trap that everything that you're learning in dental school is the way things are and, and the way they have to be. It's very, very important to keep an open mind that patient communication, which like Daryl says, a lot of time is not taught very well, treatment planning, and just overall learning how to communicate with both your patients and your peers who will be in the future your colleagues or maybe a referring specialist or another general dentist. I think that communication aspect, which is something unfortunately is not taught very well in most schools, it's very, very important to learn. And we all have a tendency to want to learn the clinical side of things because by our nature, that's what we are, right? right? We're, we're, it's a hands-on kind of field. We're in there to learn how to do preps, how to do this and that. And a lot of that, as important as it is, if you can't communicate with other people, being other you know, specialists, other doctors, other patients, you will never be able to use your hand skins. It's just not going to... No, your practice will fail. Exactly. Your and, practice is done. And I have to give yeah. a shout out to Dr. Mark Hyman because he's the one who's really taught me and Emil too, yeah. not being a UNC student. I have nothing to do with UNC and I've already learned so much. amazing. So <laughs> to any students looking to apply to dental schools, I would say to visit the school and see if there are people at the school who emphasize the patient care side of things. Okay. Because it's so important. You will learn to be a fundamentally decent dentist at any school. But the patient care, the communication, the connection, as you said, that's not taught at a lot of places yeah. unless there's a person who's actually teaching you that skill. Alongside of what you're doing. 100%. 100%. So I'm very that. lucky to the have mentoring. Dr. Hyman. Yeah, it's extremely important to find so a good important. mentor. Extremely important. So yeah. important. D3? I'm in More the of the same. Right <laughs> At okay. that point, learn how to give good blocks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anesthetize your patient. <laughs> I'm in D3 right now, so I'm navigating that right now. But I think it's been exciting to see more patients, to get to treat people, to apply everything I've learned, and to, to really get to have an impact as opposed to just knowing what I can do but not being able to do it. And um, to anybody who's thinking about applying for residency, D3 is the year where you really start planning for residency. So I'm going through all of that now, getting everything lined up and all my cases worked up and ready. Okay. Yeah. And I'd say for D4 year, be ready to get humbled because I think <laughs> a lot of D4s and me, myself included, when you're in there, you're like, okay, I've gone through four years of dental school. I think I have a handle on things. Like I, I can kind of figure, figure my way out. And the truth is you really do not. Like you do not know how little you know you know, and it's one of those things that we don't know what we don't know, yeah, you know, yeah. until you get out and you start to see other disciplines or you get into private practice and you start to experience real failures. 
that you would never be able to imagine in dental school because you were probably not allowed to fail to that level of catastrophe, right? And so I think as a D4, an important thing is really, really learn, try and humble yourself because things can get very, very bad, very, very fast. And you have to take it slow and, you know, be calculated with how you approach things. Yeah. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about guardrails. So you're, as a D1, you're given some skills to perform and it's safe to perform here. But then as you get toward the D4 and through the D4, you can still feel here. Mm -hmm. It could be catastrophic, but they know because of the, um, the educational process and how they're building competency within the skill sets that you've demonstrated to them that you can fail, but it's not going to be like fail. Right, right. (laughs) For patient safety. Failure also doesn't have to be this negative thing because I think in dental school, like failure is much better tolerated than in the real world because you have your colleagues there, you have specialists, you have faculty. So a failure in dental school is not that bad. Right. A failure on your own, in your own office by yourself can be much, much worse. So it's an important thing to really, I don't want to say push yourself to failure, but be fundamentally okay with failing. Yeah, that's where that's where you're supposed to. Correct. It's learning. Correct. That you're there to learn. You're not there right. to be perfect. Right. 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 Exactly. I have nothing to add for D fours. I'm <laughs> you haven't not, I haven't been there. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> it has been my honor to have you here. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your your wisdom on so many levels. And um, I'm just I'm just grateful to to meet you guys and spend some time with you. Oh, Thank we're you so much. Thank it's you been for an the honor. Opportunity. Absolutely. So now, now I'm famous. Don't let it get to his head. <laughs> Enjoy fame. Later, remember us. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, uh, to all of the the dental handoff podcasters, the listening, the listeners, the the subscribers, the fans. Thank you so much for all that you do every day in the community. And I always ask this, please go to Apple, like us and give us five stars because that's what matters. And then go on over to YouTube, like, share, subscribe, the love. So thank you. Thank you so much again. Everyone be well and enjoy the journey.